Welcome to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we are talking baby formula shortage and feeble fact checker attempts. Next, on Living with Liberty. show will be more focused and in-depth on one topic, but it's an important topic, the baby formula shortage. There are a few factors at play here. Some are market-oriented, some are government-inflicted, some are corporation-inflicted, but all are causing pain for parents, some of whom have no other options because their baby needs a special formula due to digestive issues or allergy issues, things like that. Now, this shortage has been brewing for a while. And at this point, it should not have been a surprise, given the history and the run on formula that we had at the start of the pandemic. Hopefully that statement becomes a little more clear as we go on here as to why the start of the pandemic should have been an indicator to what we're seeing today. And it's really what happened at the start of the pandemic with with baby formula. So it's there that all this starts. The the run on formula at the start of the pandemic is, is where kind of today's shortage starts, given all of our supply chain uh, issues we've seen, given all the challenges that manufacturers have seen. Um, yes, that happened a little over to yeah a little over two years ago now um but it still has an impact and it, it's because of things i've spoken about in in previous shows just with the supply chain and how manufacturers operate and how supply chains operate nothing it, it's a it's really easy to drain the supply chain it's really hard to fill it back up especially in the face of ongoing demand like we've seen over the last couple of years so now Formula suppliers, formula manufacturers, like other consumer goods manufacturers, have had a hard time keeping workers, hiring workers, with worker absenteeism due to COVID illnesses, and they've faced the same shortages of raw materials that all other manufacturers have faced. Now, the cycle of getting formula from raw material to the store is 12 to 16 weeks making it difficult to increase inventory quickly. And if you add to that the panic a parent feels in potentially not being able to feed their baby because they hear of this shortage, they see store shelves getting empty, the little inventory that would hit the shelves 
is gone immediately. They go in and they grab it as soon as they see it. No matter if they have a month, two months worth of a formula at home, they were going in and grabbing it as soon as it was on the shelf. We saw the same run on many other products that people thought they would need when they were you know, quarantined or were stuck at home, right? And then uh, on top of that, we throw in the fact that there are only a few manufacturers of baby formula. And it's really, it's in the grand scheme of things, uh, kind of a specialty item. It's uh, maybe a little bit commoditized, but you know, it's, it's still a, a specialty item. And you only have a few manufacturers that make it. So you now have a recipe for a long-term struggle with availability at the shelf. So while production and inventories were improving, they likely were not at pre-pandemic levels when this latest issue hit. Like I said, it's a 12 to 16 week cycle to go from, uh, you know, whatever raw materials that that make up a formula to getting that, that finished product on the shelf. That's a long time in the grand scheme of, of manufacturing a, um, a, a consumer product like that. Now, you may be asking yourself, what are the issues facing baby formula right now? You've heard several things. You've just heard me say it's been two years, right? There was a run two years ago at the start of uh, the pandemic. And, okay, well, how's that impacting things today? Well, it's that 12 to, to 16-week cycle time getting product to the shelf. It's the aforementioned lack of productive capacity in the U.S. is another part of the issue here. Now, there's only six FDA-approved manufacturers of baby formula in the U.S., and there are many hurdles in terms of importing formula into the U.S. There is not the ability to import more formula to make up the difference very quickly. Can it be done? Yes. Are we importing formula today? Yes. Can we do it quickly to bring in more formula from outside our shores? No. Now, this chart shows the U.S. consumption of baby formula compared to the top five import sources of formula in 2021. The bar on the left is the U.S.'s consumption of formula, and that is $1.8 billion in 2021. And if you look to the right, the top five, those are the top five countries we import formula from account for maybe $100 million of that overall total, of that $1.8 billion. So it's, it's a minuscule amount we are importing. And you would think that with free trade agreements um, with, that we have with Mexico and Canada, we would be importing more from them. But as I mentioned before, there are regulations in place that prevent that from happening and from happening quickly. Now, I'll link a piece from the Washington Examiner in the description box on trade restrictions that are in place on baby formula. Here's a couple notes from the piece. So the first one goes, the United States subjects infant formula to tariffs up to 17.5% and tariff rate quotas, or TRQs. For TRQs, some level imported are subject to a tariff with the excess subject to a tariff and additional duties. So what does that mean? So there's 
basically it's two t- uh, two tiers of tariff on there. So you get some some uh, quota that uh, we can import that companies can import on formula, and that that's subject to uh, one rate. And then if you go over and above that quota, there's additional duties on that. So right off the bat, some formulas, if we were to, and we might be hitting those and, and companies say, okay, I don't want to pay the extra import duty on this, so we stop. That could very well be the case. It probably is the case looking at, at the top five chart we just had up there. Um, that's a limiter. That's a limiter on how much we're going to bring in, a government-imposed limiter. The piece goes on to say this. A few trading partners receive special duty rates where some infant formula imports are duty-free or receive lower tariffs and TRQs. Mexico is one of the few U.S. trading partners that has some duty-free access for infant formula and uncoincidentally is the top trading partner for U.S. formula imports. Now, as we saw, though, on the, on the chart, Mexico formula imports were still insignificant even in the face of duty-free access. There's, they, they still were a very, very small part of the overall formula picture when, when put up against what we, uh, what we t- consume in this country in terms of baby formula. And then we have the whole question as to why Canada isn't even on the radar for formula imports. The examiner piece offers the answer to this question. It says this, Absurdly, provisions were added to the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement to restrict imports of formula from Canada, supposedly because China was investing in a baby food plant in Ontario and this new production might eventually enter the U.S. market. Uh, absurdly indeed. I, how short-sighted could you get? For, for all the, the, the uh, control government wants and, and how much it wants to, to dig down into details it has nothing to do with or shouldn't have anything to do with, we left it out of this... Uh, part of the agreement, I guess, with Canada. I mean, you look at it, why not just say formula from that baby food plant that the Chinese were supposed, uh, supposedly investing in, just say the formula from that particular plant cannot enter the U.S. market. But product from other manufacturers can, from every other manufacturer there might be in Canada. That shouldn't have been a big deal. The government does stupid crap like that all the time. Well, you can get it from here, but not from there. So why not do it with the baby formula? Why be so short-sighted and say, no, we don't want any baby formula imports from Canada, period? They're our closest trading partner. I mean, I get the, the, the whole trade war thing we had going on with China, and it still is going to, to this day, right? And I've said before, get China out of our market, make them uh, divest all their holdings in the United States and kick them off our shores. I still stand by that. And we could have done something here with this agreement. We could have said, Canada, we'll take all, you know, formula, we'll allow formula imports from all the other manufacturers except this one because China's uh, involved in it. And if you want plant the, uh, formula, uh, us to import formula from this plant in Ontario, tell China they can't, 
can't have any investment in it. We do that. That stuff happens all the time. I mean, this deal could have been made more amenable to the formula of manufacturers that did not have ties ties to China uh, that are in Canada here. And then we move on. There's this whole mess of the U.S. regulatory environment that's uh, a big contributor to this as well. And here's further proof that our three-letter agencies are more of a hindrance than a help. And we'll go back to the examiner piece for this. Uh, the, the examiner piece said this, making matters even worse, infant formula is subject to onerous U.S. regulatory non-tariff barriers. For example, the FDA requires specific ingredients, labeling requirements, and mandates that retailers wait at least 90 days before marketing a new infant formula. Recently, the FDA recalled some European infant formula because it did not comply with FDA labeling requirements. It is agreed by many medical experts that the differences between American and European formula are minor and are not worth the expense imposed by these tariffs or by these regulations, excuse me. So basically, we have no way of quickly supplementing the supply of formula in this country. No company in their right mind is going to go through the time and expense of preparing their labeling for the U.S. market only to have it be put on hold for 90 days before being able to sell it. Now, here's what we have. We have a, 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 an issue in the market with, with um, a shortage of baby formula. Companies that might have excess capacity, they may be on our shores, they may not be, but they see an opportunity and they try to ramp up production to take advantage of that opportunity. But if they're off our shores, if they're outside of our borders they won't be able to take advantage of that opportunity because it, there, there's a 90-day hold period before they can sell their products on our shores. And that's on top of however long it takes their labeling to be approved by the FDA, which can take months. So now we have a company that may want to take advantage of an opportunity here to help out the market, to boost their sales, to boost their profitability and fill a need in the market, but they're not able to because the FDA doesn't like the way they label things. We are not able to supplement our supply here with an imported product because of a labeling requirement. Let that sink in for a minute. Even though it's agreed upon by experts who we are continually told we need to put on a pedestal that is just below a golden calf, that there is little difference between European formula and U.S.-made formula, yet there's a roadblock to importing it because the FDA doesn't like the label. When the government gets involved to that level of detail, things get stupid and people suffer. Now, the other one of the other factors here is we have a recall, and a recall of product never helps, especially when inventories are tight. Abbott recalled several of their formula brands, due to a bacterial illness that made at least four infants sick and caused the death of two of them. And this recall happened back in uh, January, February timeframe. So it's been months now. I mean, this thing's been brewing since January and February. When that recall happened, it was January and February, and we're just starting to hear about the issues now. 
The Biden administration's incompetent press secretaries can't even agree upon who called the recall. With Jen Psaki saying it was the FDA and the newest checkbox hire for the administration, Corinne Jean-Pierre said Abbott Labs voluntarily initiated the recall. Hint, it was both from what I've seen. Yet Jean-Pierre had no idea who was running point on the uh, White House, on the issue at the White House, so it's no surprise she didn't know who initiated the recall either. She doesn't know much of anything. At least Saki knew enough and, and tried to lie about it. I just, you know, the, the latest checkbox hire here doesn't seem to know anything. And this part of what happened with this recall is, is uh, Abbott shutted, uh, shut down a plant uh, in Sturgis, Michigan. And I'll get to more on that in a moment on what happened there and the whole debacle that 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 was and how this all could have been prevented. Now, this shutdown and recall has elected officials calling out the FDA and calling on the FDA to do something. Now, Tom Cotton tweeted this out. The formula shortage is a national crisis, hitting poor moms and kids the hardest. The FDA needs to immediately step up, be transparent, explain how it will get production restarted, and give parents a timeline. And the Biden administration needs to take this seriously. Uh, Here's the thing. I don't want the FDA trying to fix anything at this point. I, I get what Tom Cotton's saying here. The FDA doesn't explain, they don't run production. They don't know the first thing about production. I don't want them explaining how they're going to get production restarted. They, don't, they shouldn't have their hands in the marketplace in the first place. The, the FDA has proven themselves incompetent and, and, and just privy to whatever way the political winds are blowing. And I say, think about the jabby jab here. Very political, highly pressured. They pushed it through. Now we have problems all over the place with this thing. We want the same thing with our baby formula. I I don't want the FDA sniffing around production, uh, trying to tell us when production's good. They have no uh, no competence in that area. They shouldn't be anywhere near it. Uh, the FDA has already failed here. They failed with this plan. I'll get to that in a moment, too. If it's not racist or handing out our money to other countries to cover up the Biden corruption... The Biden administration isn't going to take anything seriously. That's already been proven by how they don't even have a coherent message on who initiated the recall. They don't have a coherent message on who's running point. They can't even say who's running point on this. You think they're going to take it seriously? They need to, but they're not going to because it's not racist. It's not trying to put ultra MAGA uh, insurrectionists in jail. They're not going to take it seriously. They don't care. Now, I like Tom Cotton, and he's usually on point, but not this time. The only role the FDA should have is in the inspection of the plant that has been shut down to make sure it is in compliance with sanitation regulations. We do not need a government solution here. We do not need the FDA to tell us when production is going to restart. We don't need the FDA to, to have their hands in anything except checking the boxes of their little list 
on how clean that plant should be so production can restart, period, end of story. And yes, we do need the Biden administration to, to take it seriously. We do need a point person there, only so we have one source of information. It'll be lies. Maybe we don't want the Biden administration anywhere near this either. I don't know. But what, what, ha- what needs to happen here is we don't need that government solution. We need Abbott to come up with a plan on getting the uh, plant restarted. And we need them communicating that plan with parents, especially with all interested parties who are feeling this formula shortage. It's their responsibility. They're the ones that are going to be able to say, okay, we're going to be able to hit go on this at X date. Here's our plan. Here's how much we're going to produce. Here's how long you can expect to be out of stock. The FDA isn't going to know that. Abbott will. Abbott needs to be the one providing the public with the timeline of events of getting production going, as well as the mitigation steps they are taking to avoid uh, the contamination of that plant and all their other plants really in the future. That's their responsibility. The issue here with the plant that was shut down is both an Abbott and an FDA issue. Now, a former Abbott employee alerted the FDA that Abbott was falsifying records, releasing untested formula into the market, and failing to properly clean and sanitize the plant. This was in October of 2021. Prior to that, in September of 2019, the FDA had inspected the plant, cited Abbott for failing to test an adequate amount of formula to ensure it met the required microbiology microbiology quality standards. Two years later, in September 2021, the FDA decides to show up for another inspection. And according to a piece from the New York Post by William Marler, the FDA found several concerning practices that likely led to formula contamination, or likely lead to formula contamination. They were ignoring it at that point. Abbott failed to maintain a building used in the manufacture, processing, packing, or holding of infant formula in a clean and sanitary condition. It took two years for the FDA to return to the plant for an inspection after finding issues. And then that return inspection uncovers concerning practices that the FDA does nothing about with the cherry on top of this crap Sunday bean whistleblower testimony that the FDA receives, then sits on for months, not doing anything about that either. Why does the FDA even exist? It took babies getting sick and a couple dying before anything was done. We are talking about parents who had to bury their children here because this government agency wasn't focused on doing its job. Why weren't they doing their job? Well, let's go to the FDA website. You go to the FDA website, prominently featured on the front page Front and center is a message to go get your therapeutic injection or booster. We have a government agency that is not staying in their own lane. They are all focused on peddling a useless jab or booster for COVID and on how they silence the ultra mega racists. That's what they're focused on. They don't care about the people. They don't care that kids are dying because they didn't follow up in a timely fashion on this whistleblower 
testimony that Abbott wasn't uh, doing what they should have been doing in, in terms of keeping their plant clean. The FDA's function is to ensure safety in our food and drug supply. Yet they failed because they are focused on putting COVID boosters in people's arms instead of looking into whistleblower testimony of unsafe manufacturing practices of products we are giving to babies. And if that wasn't enough, if that whole crappy scenario of why we have a formula shortage wasn't enough, there's this revelation by Rep. Kat Kamak that the Biden administration is shipping pallets of formula to the border to give to illegal immigrants. Now take a look at this tweet by Kamak. Pallets of formula in the midst of a shortage going to fill shelves at the border to help illegal migrants while our citizens suffer. The, the warehouse at the border full, store shelves empty. Our children, our babies are suffering because of this shortage. Parents are spending untold amounts of time going store to store to try and find formula for their, their, their child. And our government is sending pallet loads to the border. And, and, and like Tom Cotton said, this, uh, you know, I think it, it disproportionately does affect the poor. It affects the poor women and children. Could it be any more clear that this administration, that this crop of communists posing as Democrats do not give two craps about the American people? How much more evidence do people need? How many poor people are, are you going to talk to on the street? Am I going to see videos of being talked to on the street that say Joe Biden and his administration are doing a bang up job? Wake up. Babies are going hungry. Parents are stretching what supply of formula they have by diluting it, by diluting it to the detriment of their child's nourishment. So we're going to have, and not only do we have dumb kids now because our schools are nothing more than indoctrination facilities, we're going to have children whose development is stunted because parents had to stretch so thin their baby's formula because our government chose to send more to the border than to put in our own stores, to feed our own kids. We have uh, the risk of malnourishment of our kids, of babies, because our clown show of a government decided it was more important, it was a better idea to fill up the border storehouses with formula for the illegal migrants. I mean, in border agents can't even believe this. One agent at the border had this to say to Kamak. Cat, you would not believe the shipment I just brought in. He has been a border agent for 30 years, and he has never seen anything quite like this. He is a grandfather, and he is saying that his own children can't get baby formula. And that's, that's a direct quote from Kat Kamak uh, of a border agent she, she was in contact with. Even border agents can't believe what is going on. This agent's grandchildren are not able to get the formula they need. At what point do these uh, people in our government, those with a conscience that still work in our government, stand up and engage in more civil disobedience? We have had some stand up, without a doubt. We need more to stand up and say, no, that is stupid. It harms our citizens, and I'm not going to do that. Just at what point do we see a, uh, just the a kind of a mass 
protests, if you will, of government officials standing up for what they believe in. I I know they're, they they got to keep quiet right now because of if they speak out, they'll they'll be fired. I this administration has proven that. But at what point do you balance that with the American people are are suffering here? Children, babies are suffering because this administration doesn't care. We have to have people that are within the government, that are in these jobs, that are going to stand up, say, that's dumb, I'm not doing that, America first. Okay, we have just a couple days left on free shipping at Living with Liberty Outfitters. Head to livingwithlibertypodcast.com and click the store link where today through the 16th of May, you will get free shipping on your purchase. Show off your Patriot pride with some new Living with Liberty gear. Okay, I'm finishing up today. I wanted to touch on the absurdity of the fact checkers that are trying to discredit the 2000 Mules movie. Now, the AP's experts, experts, say the geo-tracking cell phone location data can only reliably, reliably track a smartphone within a few meters. Okay, so that's the same geo-tracking that the military uses for precision strikes against targets. It's the same geo-tracking that gets used to try and determine if someone was in the area of a crime. It's the same geo-tracking that you use to figure out where you're going when you put uh, your uh, Google Maps. I didn't want to say that, but (laughs) Google Maps, uh, you plug into Google. It's the same geo-tracking. So if it's good enough for military and crime investigators and it's admissible court evidence, yes, there's Supreme Court uh, indecision, let's call it out there, on whether it really should be or not, if it's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's not conclusive, so they've been using geolocation data uh, in, in the prosecution of crimes. So if it's good enough for that, then it's good enough and accurate enough to make a determination of whether someone was taking ballots to a ballot box repeatedly, correct? Not only that, the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes have also noted how reliable cell phone data is. So you have, I guess, the two, uh, the two uh, pillars, if you will, of the liberal media. Pillars, <laughs> uh, in the sarcastic sense, I guess. But you have them coming out and saying how reliable cell phone data is. But yet you're going to fact check and say, well, uh, it's maybe not that, um, maybe not that accurate. And yeah, I, we're just kind of going to ignore what the Washington Post and New York Times had to say on that issue. And, you know, to boot here, I mean, you, you had some of these people, I think probably most of them, I haven't seen the movie yet, but, you know, picking up what I've uh, seen in trailers and read of stories here or there. You've got people who visited the same boxes multiple times. Uh, who does that? Who goes in the same area multiple times? Who's going back and forth and into the same area multiple times? I mean, yeah. Uh, can you make a case that it's someone's normal walking or running route or it's their 
they're on their way to their job. Sure, they're they're walking though. I mean, if you're trying to make a case that it's, um, you know, it's someone just passing by, they're, you know, probably walking or running. These boxes aren't just like on a street corner. They're from what I've seen the pictures a little bit out of the way. So it's maybe not on a normal on my way to work driving to work route, but walking or running, sure, maybe. So you can make that case. You can make the case. That's a walking or running route. They usually are just passing through. And, you know, that would be easily verifiable, though, either through cameras in the area. We know there's cameras all over the place now. You you could easily verify that if someone was just on their normal jog, they're walking through. You can go and get weeks and weeks and weeks and months of camera data, years of camera data. Oh, yeah, I go by, I've gone past this this area every day uh, for the last three years. Easily verifiable. You can also look up the historical geolocation data to make that uh, verification. It, that, that data, from what I read, it goes back five years. So that makes it really easy if the data shows that they uh, were just passing through. It would also make it really easy if you look at the data to show if they doubled back the way they came. Because if they double back the way they came, you can use the, well, we're just passing through argument, but if they double back the way they came, that would raise all kinds of questions as to whether they were just passing through or not. Now it's like, okay, they doubled back and they came up to this box and then they doubled back multiple times. They've done it tens, 10, 20, 30 times, whatever it was. However many times they, they came uh, to the box, right? So we have all this information to make it really easy. So this is, I mean, I mean, this is just such a weak attempt at, at trying to discredit this. And not only that, th- there's, there's cameras pointed on these boxes. So you see the same people coming up to them and actually putting the, the envelopes in the box. I mean, you're not going to tell somebody their eyes are lying to them. This is, this is not only the geolocation data, which has been verified and is used uh, verified as accurate and is used to take out with precision certain targets from a military aspect. Geolocation data that's used in the prosecution of of, of uh, crimes. Cameras at these boxes showing these people show up, but yeah, it's not accurate. They weren't there. Why are they on the camera then? I just just unbelievable. And then and then there's this other. This other gem, I only picked out two. I mean, it's the, the fact check on these things was incredibly stupid. But the other one I pulled out, and which was interesting, it's interesting to me, mainly because of where I live. So, And uh, the winters we have around here. The AP claimed the mules were wearing latex gloves. Yes, you heard that right. Latex gloves, blue surgical gloves. <laughs> Again, they have video of it. Because it was cold out. Is there any weaker attempt at a fact check to tell you, no, they were just had those, they just had those gloves on because it was cold out. Think about it. Why do people wear latex gloves? Now, as a cold weather inhabitant, I can tell you latex gloves do not keep your hands warm. Can tell you that without a doubt. So why do people wear latex gloves? Well, I mean, I I look at it like this. 
these people that are on the camera, they weren't performing any sort of medical exam or surgery. And given the fact that some were on camera just throwing them away, it's reasonable to conclude then it was to keep their fingerprints off the ballots, off the envelopes, and not to keep their hands warm. I mean, if it's cold out, are you going to throw your gloves away? Uh, who, the, who the hell thinks, uh, does the AP think they're fooling here? Well, I know who they're, they're they'll fool some. They'll, they'll, you know, yeah, I, they'll fool, we all know they'll fool some. But the, the rest of, uh, I would say at this point, two-thirds of the, the country, there's still a lot of reasonable, like I said, there's still a lot of reasonable Democrats out there. And more and more are waking up today. Just look at the poll numbers and how many are, are leaving the Democrat Party, especially in the black and Hispanic communities, and Asian community for that matter. Who does the AP think they're fooling here with this? I'm, I'm so cold. My hands are so cold. I'm going to throw my gloves away. Th- that's not why these people were wearing surgical gloves. They were wearing latex gloves because they needed to keep their fingerprints off the ballots. Now, the fact checkers would have been better off not saying anything at all, but they couldn't do that. Their Democrat overlords put them into overdrive to try and discredit 2,000 mules. The visual evidence is there. They're, they're, They're on camera throwing their gloves away. They're on camera. Their phone pinging, they're on camera. They're on camera phone pinging where their location is, camera showing them putting ballots into the, uh, into the ballot box, stuff in the ballot box. The visual evidence is there. The accuracy of the location data has already been verified by a couple of their media brethren. The Democrats are panicked over this. That's why there's fact checks. Everybody on the left sees this whole thing crumbling down. They see their power slipping. They see Elon Musk buying Twitter. They're losing control over one of their propaganda outlets where they can control the message. The Democrats are panicked. The left is panicked. They're panicked over this. They know it's video evidence. Your eyes aren't lying. They know that, but they're lying to you. And they're so panicked, they're already trying to fire up the COVID machine ahead of the midterms. What would Biden say, 100 million cases expected, you know, in the next next COVID season, let's call it? They're already trying to set the stage to justify, well, we need to put the ballot boxes out there again. We need to do... The, the same measures we did. They're, all, they're trying to fire up that whole fear machine again since all their efforts to pass legislation to codify cheating in elections failed. They all failed. None of the bills passed in the Senate. 2,000 Meals just opened up a bunch more eyes to the issues with the 2020 election that the Democrats were trying to hide, that the media was trying to hide. It makes all the Democrat governors now, all of them, that vetoed voter reform bills look really foolish. So it gives the GOP even more ammo, if they're smart enough to use it, to say, look, hey, you see this? We have video evidence of ballot boxes being stuffed. And 
our governor, like in Wisconsin here, our governor's up for a real uh, up for re-election, Democrat governor. Tony, leave it to Beavers. Worst governor of my lifetime. Gives a GOP ammo to go after and say, hey, he vetoed these reform bills and now we have video evidence of of and geolocation data of ballot boxes being stuffed. We tried to we tried to secure our elections and he vetoed it. What does that say about about these Democrat governors now? Makes them look really dumb. Makes them look really dumb. Truth always comes out. And you know, let's talk about let's finish up here talking about these these laughable fact checkers. So these laughable fact checks just further cement that the fact checkers are nothing more than media propagandists who continue to fail, who continue to fail at swaying public opinion because people can verify information for themselves. We've got video all over the place. We've got information at our fingertips, and we can get at it faster than any generation in history. Yet these fact checkers try to still spin the narrative. They still try and feed us propaganda. Yeah, it might have worked in the 1930s when there wasn't internet, and the only thing that people got their news from was the paper and the radio. But that doesn't work anymore. Even with the tyrants having control of the likes of Facebook and Twitter and Google, people still can get at the truth. So as long as they can do that, um, there's no way that these fact checkers are ever going to be able to fully propagandize people. As long as people stay vigilant and verify information for themselves. That's the other part of the equation here. I'm not, um, I'm not absolving people of their, their responsibility either to say, eh, that doesn't sound right. I should go and maybe verify that. The tide is turning. Slowly but surely, you can see signs that America is emerging from her slumber. We're emerging from our stupor of just thinking everything's all right. I mean, we're starting that that old that meme of, you know, the dogs sitting in the uh, at the table and there's flames all around them. We're starting to put those flames out. We said, okay, we were the ones sitting there. It's all good. Uh, this is fine. It's fine. I'm you know just sitting here burning up the old fire all around me. We're starting to put those flames out though. It's a long, slow slog because we let it get so bad. We didn't, we didn't take the, the weeds out at the root. We just keep clipping them off at the top. We kept clipping them off right above the ground. We didn't take the root out, and then they pop back up. We're starting to learn our lesson. Slowly but surely, we're starting to emerge from our, slum, our slumber. And we, the people, will not be fooled twice. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living with Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth.
I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.